Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben Brandell, and welcome in to another Tuesday episode. You know, last week we finished up our Evolution versus Creation series. We hope that everyone had a chance to listen into that. But that means it's time to start a new series. And this week we are starting what we're calling biomimicry. It's actually a field of science where scientists study biology, study things in the created world to be, come up with inventions for humans to make our lives easier. There's some really cool things out there we can't wait to share with you today. We're going to be starting with one of the oldest and most well-known inventions that has been made because of biomimicry, and that is hook and loop fasteners. What? That's a weird way to say it. That is hook and loop fasteners, Ben. (laughs) Most of you know this better as Velcro. However, Mm. Velcro is actually a copyrighted brand name. So while we refer to all hook and loop fasteners as Velcro, they may not really like that so much. Right. You know, Velcro, you and I probably, this whole podcast are going to say Velcro because it's so ingrained in us. And that's that's what's so cool about it is because we take for granted how often we use it and say it. But like you said, Velcro is a brand name. Um, the correct terminology is hook and loop. So that is what we're discussing today is hook and loop. That's hard to say, hook and loop. It is, a, it is a tough one to say. You know, it's so cool because we see how really well simple and taken for granted it is with maybe our, our kids' shoes. Well, or, that's what I want to – actually, Brian, I'm going to ask you this question. Can you name some things that have hook and loop on them that, that have Velcro? Yeah, you know, one that I've been using a lot lately is a knee brace. Your knee brace. (laughs) The knee's not the same as it used to be, and I've been having to wear that brace. And without that uh, hook and loop fastener being able to get that on there tight and having it stay on there, I don't really know how you would even make this thing. Right. You know, there's a lot of medical braces, all kinds, when when you from breaking your legs to sprains, even, well, this is another brand name, Ace Bandage, but Mm -hmm. we're talking about those bandages. Um, when you get into buying one that's that's ready to go for you, a lot of them have hook and loop on it, have Velcro attached to it. That's that way it secures quick, you know, tightly to your leg. Can you think of anything else that you use? Mm. And I learned to tie my shoes when I was like. See, we six. just take it for granted how often. So I'm gonna go over a few really fast. Okay. You know, my son and daughter use Velcro shoes. You you brought you said that a few minutes ago. Right. Velcro shoes. Um, I know in high school, I used to buy the Velcro shoes from Walmart. Loved them. They were awesome. They <laughs> were so river shoes. They were great river yeah. shoes. Yeah, but they use Velcro to secure. Um, you know, you can honestly start thinking right now about what is around me that is is or has hook and loop on it. So floor mats, I've seen that in cars. We've talked about the medical braces and wraps. Um, a lot of furniture covers, even my seat covers in my truck, I use those to secure and tighten down. Um, hats, the back part of the hats, you know, there's some of them are the, the push button, but I've got a lot of Velcro hats. Yeah. Um, pockets from my backpacks to even some of my coats have Velcro. Oh, yeah, all my, uh, not all my rain jackets, but some of my rain jackets, that extra flap on the outside seals right. over with, with 
with a uh, hook and loop. Hook fastener. and loop, yeah. Um, gloves. You know, yesterday the set of gloves I had on, um, they all have that Velcro down at the bottom to to make it more snug, so snow can't get in at the bottom part of your gloves. Um, a couple more that I can think of though is my belt. I actually have Velcro on my belt, so it goes through, comes back around, and then and then hook and loops in. And then lastly is my rod wraps. So when I'm taking three or four doing some fishing with other people, I use rod wraps and I wouldn't be able to secure it any other way besides using Velcro. So, and there's probably so much more, there's so many more things out there that I can't even think of right now. I'm sure everyone listening could think of a a long list of of ways that they use it for sure. Absolutely. I would say that everybody uses it. So with it being used in pretty much everybody's life, we said it came from biomimicry. That's kind of crazy that it's derived from observing our natural world. What exactly is biomimicry? Because it is, I mean, it's a whole science field now. Let's let's dive in and kind of look a little bit at what it really is. And and, and basically, another name for it is biomimetics. Um, and they're really just describing that we're transferring ideas or maybe just inspirations from this biology side over to technology, to this invention side. And it's all made from observations. And we talk about how powerful observation is from survival to science to hunting to fishing all the time. Observation and awareness is huge. Mm-hmm. And we see that again here that people are using observations from biology to make these massive, life changing, world changing inventions on the technology side. It's because they're aware. That's, that's how crazy this is. It's so simple of just someone being aware and then observing. You know, so why would we even need Velcro? Like, when we're talking about fasteners like hook and loop, you know, think about back in the days when you wanted to attach something to something, but it couldn't be there forever. You know, you're not going to use glue that's going to stick and be stuck there forever. It has to be immovable. So for somebody to be even aware of that, of thinking through, you know what, we need a fastener that we can release off and on, off and on. But to then take that and combine it with what we're calling biomimicry. So now that we know what biomimicry is, thinking about, you know what? I can't sit here all day long and it pop into my mind. Mm -hmm. I can't just sit here all day and and something just all of a sudden tell me what it is. I got to go out and find it. And that's what's so cool about this is that men and women have had the awareness to be outside and to be aware and start looking around us to discover things that we're talking about today like Velcro. But I want to make the point just like you're making this is a transferring right this isn't new it's a transferring of ideas of things that already work the old adage if it ain't broke don't fix it and do you know why it's not broke because it's god's creation and it works that's why you're able to take it and transfer it so it really isn't an invention that's not really a great word that i use because it's a transferring of something that's already worked it mm-hmm. has already been perfectly and brilliantly engineered by God the Creator, and then He gave humans the capacity to transfer things that He's already done and make it applicable to our lives. It's really kind of an amazing thing, if you ask me. Very powerful. It is. We just we take that for granted so often, and we overlook it. But let's look at how Velcro actually came about, or hook and loop fasteners. So in the 1940s, you had a Swiss engineer. So again, he's already, he's an engineer. He's on this level. That's probably where his awareness comes from. He's kind of, he's able to observe 
the way, th- I mean, he's trained in this, to observe the way that things work and why they work. His name was George de Mestral, and he was literally out enjoying the outdoors, just like we say, find time to get outdoors. He was doing that, him and his dog. They were out for a stroll, and he noticed him and his dog were covered in cockleburrs. Mm. If you've ever spent time outdoors, you know the pain, you know the frustration. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine him and his dog out there, and they're probably looking down like, what in the world? This is their first time experiencing this. They don't know about them, and they're probably trying to swat these things off of them, and they're not going anywhere, right? Right. So, Ben, what exactly is a cockleburr? What are these things they're trying to swat off their legs that help make this discovery? Well, let me paint an a image here if I can. Right. Um, you know, when we're talking about cockleburrs, it isn't just one. We're talking plural here. So most of the time when you're walking through a field, you know, um, I think most of the time where I have picked them up is usually on the edge. There, It's like an edge plant where mm-hmm. before you get into the forest, when you're walking, trying to get into the forest or along the forest edge there, it's like Cockleburr City, man. And depending on what kind of loops you have, because a Cockleburr, Cockleburr is the hook, man. It's the hook. Yeah. The loop that's what's deadly. Yeah, your leg hair. Your leg hair, that's terrible. But when you're talking about a dog, I don't know what kind of dog he had, but there's some tails on dogs. You ain't getting mm. a cockleburr out. It just makes like a, a dreadlock or a mat almost around. Right. So a cockleburr, let's describe it. It's going to be, I'm going to say oval. It's not an egg shape, but it's 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 an oval. Like a little mini football almost. Kind of like a mini football. Yeah. But coming out of it, I'm going to say are probably 100 hooks. Yeah. You know, spiky we're talking hooks. tiny. They're they're these spike hooks. They're they're tiny, so it isn't like they poke in you. That's mm-hmm. this isn't something's gonna poke in you and jab you. It's there to hang on. You know, when you walk by it, if you brush up against it, those hooks are going to hook onto anything that is a loop on you, from your pants to your socks to your your shoes, your shoelaces. I had a pair of shoelaces one time that it was a really um, loose weaved shoelace. And these cockleburrs hooked onto this thing, Brian. I couldn't hardly get them off. Right. They were they were hooked in there so well. I couldn't. I I cut them off. Got a new pair of shoelaces. Yeah, this plant is actually it's actually really common. There's a couple different varieties of it, but they're all in the aster family, Asteraceae. So they're actually daisies and sunflowers. They're in that same group of them. So we all know kind of know what those look like, and it does flowering. But this spiky looking seed thing that you're talking about is actually the fruit. It's it's just that is how the plant produces and encapsulates its seed and its whole mechanism or God's design to go out and disperse and to populate all the nations. I guess you want to say if you want to take a Bible verse is to hook on to something and let that something take it to a new area for that seed to, to drop once the pod dries out and to make a new cockleburr plant. Right, and, it, and it's effective. Very effective. You can't <laughs> hardly get them out. So you can no. imagine... Uh, that as George Mestrel was was looking at these things attached to him and his dog, he was probably amazed, like, holy cow, I can't get these off. And when I pull them off, you know what? They do come off once I apply some pressure, which in itself is novel because it wasn't completely stuck there because it does have to come off for the seed to go do what a seed is supposed to do. Right. So stuck really well, but not stuck so much that some pressure doesn't remove it so you can just imagine i mean i know everybody now is picturing velcro you can imagine his wheels starting to turn here obviously he was in, intrigued by it and that's he went back and he studied it more he put it under a microscope and was really looking at what was happening and that's when he saw the ends of these things were literally hooked 
And that's when he made the conclusion that, okay, they were attaching to my dog because my dog has hair, which was completing a loop. But they're hard bristles, but not so hard that when you pull on them, they don't straighten, allowing it to remove. So he was impressed by this, and he invented Velcro. So cool. I mean, the uses we have today is just it's unbelievable. You know, I, I do have a little funny personal story on this. Me and my, my four-year-old son, Hayes, and you and your son, Bodie, we were out uh, in the woods. I, was it? Maybe we were squirrel hunting. Was that a squirrel hunting trip? We've done that. Anyway, we were, we were going to, to cross a fence. We had walked through a field. We were crossing a fence, and me and my son went up to the welded bar corner, and we are going to go over it. Well, right there in the corner, it didn't get mowed or grazed really well. Whatever it was, it was a little taller. So we crossed the fence, and as we got over, all of a sudden, my son is like, he's weeping. Right. And, but it was like a fearful weep, like he was scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I turned around and looked at him, he had his hands down, palms open, and he was just looking down at his his pants and his arms. And he was. He was fearful crying because it was almost like he was getting attacked by these little alien creatures. He had these cockleburrs all over him, and it freaked him out. It was his first experience with them. And so maybe that's kind of how... George the Mastro <laughs> felt whenever he first looked down was like, "What are these creatures all over me? What is sticking to me?" It, but it definitely, it definitely stirred my my son up for sure. But again, grab it, pull it off, and and it comes off just just like your so, Velcro would. On that same day, uh, matter of fact, what happened to me is, is we all walked through them. Um, I didn't know I had picked them up, but um, I found out that I did because you we were hunting, uh, we were squirrel hunting that day, because the next time that you and I went out was deer hunting and I pulled out my wool socks which I wore the same day and when I put it on I was like oh my gosh this hurts so bad and I ripped it back off and guess what was wrapped up in it mm-hmm. had a cocklebird and it really depends on the type of I'm telling you the the loop system because my wool socks um, it sticks to that so much better than it, than it does even my jeans you know there are pants um, there are um, clothing out there that you can buy that keep from these types of seeds hooking onto you. They actually make clothing designed to uh, keep you from getting into those things. Right. Um, With no loops. They, yeah, yeah. they don't complete the loop. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so um, if you're out um, rabbit hunting, um, really any of that field hunting like that, and you're wanting to avoid that, man, there is clothing out there. You have to check it out. Yeah, you know, we... we've given... Ben, you did a really good job of coming up with a bunch of examples of how we use hook and loop fastener in her everyday life and the list just goes on and on and on i mean you can buy packages of it that you can cut or packages that are pre-cut in shapes and and you can apply it and use it all over your house in every well, way that you want to why i'm sharing it is because i honestly didn't realize how often we use it you and i have a rain jacket that we wear out bass fishing and lately both of our jackets the <laughs> flaps on them the the glue has worn out and so the rubber side has actually come off of the hook and tape, excuse me, the hook and loop tape. That's actually what it's called is hook and loop tape. You know, we can apply that tape to anything and it has a loop on one side and then the hook on the other. But our jackets, Brian, it's been bugging me so much that I actually pulled the Velcro off, but that makes my my jacket arm so big that when I'm casting and stuff, it's flopping around, it's very uncomfortable. And so I quickly go back and Velcro it even tighter to keep it down I'm so thankful for that. I I just I would hate to not have hook and loop like we have today. Right. So we have all these common occurrence real world examples, but man, it's even went into space. NASA uses Velcro. 
wow. on their shuttle missions. So if that doesn't if that doesn't tell you how valuable a uh, transferring of idea from creation to man that was, I don't I don't know what is. We're literally using it in, in our space shuttles to go into space. But what I think is even more intriguing is it's not like it's not like it was made, and then we're like, okay, we originally made it out of of nylon, and and we have our we have our nylon hook and loop system, and that's it. We're still going with it. Mm. We are. It's such a valuable thing. We're still going. So it kind of transitioned into plastic, and that's a lot of what you see today is more the plastic. That's your common cheap stuff. You can go buy it at the dollar store, but steel. People are making it out of steel, wow. and now they're even making what, this nano velcro out of like these smaller mo- molecular structures, and they're really trying to use it to do some things that are, I mean, would really be life changing for a lot of people, you know. And this is really happening in in Germany. Some engineers over there, but they took and made hook and loop with steel, so they're able to shave the steel down, make hook and loop structures. And they were able to support and hold a 35-ton load with steel Velcro. Wow. I don't know what the possibilities are with that, but I'm sure they're endless. Right. Because what you've got me thinking about is steel wool. So steel wool would be the loop. And then thinking about, I don't know how they're making that hook, but I could definitely see how steel wool... If you had a metal hook that goes... And it's going gonna, it's gonna to hook in and stay, and that can hold even more weight when you pull that apart... It's so much stronger than taking a cotton ball and pulling right. it apart. So, yeah, the man, the you could hang all kinds of things from the walls with with metal Velcro. I mean, thirty five ton. Yeah. It, when when I hear that, I think, okay, how big is this? How big is this Velcro that they're making? The diameter of of each hook and each loop was two tenths of a millimeter. So. 0.2 millimeters. Yeah, I don't get. I don't even know. I I can't even visualize <laughs> that. Really, really small. <laughs> right. Visualize really, really small. And this this nano side that they're going into. So we teach first aid, right? Mm-hmm. One of the the biggest things we teach on first aid is stopping emergency bleeding, life threatening bleeding, because a, a bleed that can't stop once you start to get is it half a coke can worth of of blood pooling. Now it's life threatening and you have an issue and you have to get it to stop. And what you really want to happen is the body to start stopping it right you really want the body to start clotting you want the blood to start clotting so things like pressure uh there's even uh medicines and things that you can put on it to stop it from to keep it from clotting some people will even do cornstarch or things like that if you have animals or you're farming people have come up with all kinds of ways but they're actually using nano versions of velcro to develop this Velcro that can close wounds. Mm. But what is the biggest issue, Ben? Once you've used a bandage or some kind of medicine or you've packed something on to a wound and mm. it stopped bleeding, what's the biggest issue after that? Is reopening the wound of, of basically tearing what has begun to heal back. Removing it, right? Correct. What's the beauty of Velcro? Well, it's a self-fastener so that you can open it and close it. And oh, yeah, time right. and time again. You can you can open it. You can pull right. it apart. So their idea with this nano velcro is they can use it to clot and close wounds and then remove it without damaging the clot that you've allowed it to progress. Wow. I mean, can you imagine the impact on medicine if they're really and they've been able to do this on small scale, but they haven't been able to get it out and match it. Yeah, surgeries and, and all man, all kinds. That's that's awesome. It really is astonishing in in, in the human race because we are so perfectly designed i mean you you can see that that we're never going to stop but it is astonishing to me that 
maybe it's just because I'm small-minded. If if I were to invent it and and have nylon working Velcro and it see it taking over in all these areas, I would have stopped. But people aren't stopping there. They're Mm-mm. far more intelligent than we are, and, and they're still going with it, trying to unpack the world for better. I'm sure Velcro has been used for evil, but as we see most of these cases, they're they're trying to come up with in, inventions for the better. I've got one. I just thought of one more. And this one is so impressive because at the rate at which this device moves back and forth, it blows my mind that these hook and loop fasteners are, are working. But an orbit sander, have you used the sander? Mm-hmm. When you buy, when you buy the the uh, the pads for that, yep, they attach to that sander by hook and loop. I don't know how many back and forth it is per second. The thing, I mean, it is shaking fast. Yeah, and you're pressing down as hard as you can trying to sand this. And yeah, it doesn't peel off of there. No, but you, but once you turn it off, you need to so you can place a new one on. That is so perfect. Yep. That's another example. We just we use it. There's so many uses for hook and loop. Yeah, I'm sure as you guys listen to this, you've probably started thinking about ways that you use it in your life. What I want to encourage you with is maybe you're the next George DeMastro. Have your awareness out there. Make sure you're observing when you're out in nature, but most of all, go out and spend time outdoors. This is just our first episode in this series. We'll be back with several more. We have some that are uh, really scientific and and some that are just plain amazing. And you know what? We're even going to share some that have failed because God's creation is so amazing. We can't quite replicate it even though we really want to and we really try. We hope that you guys are enjoying the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, great ways to do that is to follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Also, whatever platform you're listening on, hit the automatic download and subscribe button so you're getting each episode. And if you want to take it to the next step, we would so much appreciate for you to leave us a review, especially on iTunes. Scroll down to the bottom of our description on our main podcast page there. Click the leave a review and rating. We'd love, love, love your feedback and love your help moving us up the charts. That is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We'll be back on Thursday with another one. And as always, between now and that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.